Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You had to be there, the performance rankings, a slight tangent, and the crappy quiz. Have you ever done therapy, Adrian? Specifically related to the crappy quiz, though. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Off the Ball Daily. You are very welcome back. Saturday will be Grand National Day at Aintree. Delighted to say we've got Don McLean with us to look ahead. Don, how are you getting on? Good, thanks, Will. Yeah, all good. Um, this, I think, still ranks up there for most jockeys and owners and trainers as still a really, really prestigious moment in the National Hunt career is to try and pick up an Aintree Grand National, right? Ah, uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's massive. I mean, remember when AP McCoy won it in 2010, I think it was, and don't push it. He was kind of getting towards the, the the twilight of his career and it would have been, it really would not have been right if he'd got to the end of his career and hadn't won the Grand National. Likewise with David Russell, when he won it with Tiger Roll a few years ago, his first win on, on Tiger Roll, it was um, kind of, you know, the one one thing that was missing from his CV. And for those lads to, if they, if they hadn't won the Grand National, it would have been, you know, it, it's the, you know, it's the, look, the, the Challenge Gold Cup, that's the kind of, the top class race. That's when you're going to the sales, you're trying to buy a Chapman Gold Cup winner. But the Grand National is the race that everybody knows. It's 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 the race that it, it goes beyond racing. I'm sure when Rachel Blackmore won it on Manila Times a couple of years ago, that was just it was massive for for her and for the horse and Henry de Bramhead and JP McManus. But it was massive for the sport as well that she went and won it and created history by so doing. And it kind of retains that fairy tale quality. The straightaway we're going to refer back to Red Rum, and everyone will know, you know, Noble Yates is going back in. You talk about Tiger Roll going successfully before, and then Michael O'Leary not being happy with the handicapper and ruining down the potential of doing three in a row. And um, these are the type of stories, particularly when horses can go back and win at entry again, where they write their name into the racing history books. Yeah, that's it. And look, it's it's not easy because like Noble Yates, he's he's nineteen pounds higher in the handicap now than he was last year. When Tiger Roll, you know, we, we Tiger Roll is not so long ago, and you kind of think, oh yeah, he won two, so Noble Yates is trying to win two again. But before Tiger Roll, Red Rum was the last horse to win back to back renewals of the Grand National, and that was in nineteen seventy three and nineteen seventy four. So it's not easily done. Uh, it's not a coincidence that it took what nearly fifty years for somebody to go and do that again. And yeah, it's just it's just such a tough race. Yeah. Well, Noble Yates you know, provides the fairy tale story for an outgoing jockey. In this case, I mean, Sean Bone potentially comes in and writes his own bit of history uh, potentially tomorrow evening. As you say, though, the big challenge here is not just the field of forty, but an extra stone has been thrown onto uh, Noble Yates to try and repeat the trick. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But you know, well, he he deserves it because a he won the Grand National. And B, his form this year is it, he's he's taken a step forward again. Like he finished fourth in the Cheltenham Gold Cup last time, and that was a massive run. And he was staying on at the end of it as well. And last year when he won it, he was only seven. Noble Yates last year, he no no seven year old had won the Grand National since Bogscar back in nineteen forty. So it, it's it's not a, it's not a young horse's race, or it hasn't been as it was in recent years. Eight year olds have won it. I think four of the last six winners are eight, but. You know, it it is hard for a younger horse, but Emmett Mullins didn't care. Put put he trained him for the Grand National. He uh put him into the race. He'd only won one chase before he went and won the Grand National last year. And that chase was over just just more than two and a quarter miles. So just over half the distance of the Grand National. That was the only chase Noble Yates had won before he went and won the Grand National last year. So as you say, well, they're your stories. And 
but I think he's a big player again this year, Noble Yates. Like he does have, you know, he's got a lot more weight to carry. He's 19 pounds higher in the handicap than he was, but he won the Manny Clouds chase at uh, Aintree back in December. He's gone on and finished fourth in the Gold Cup. And, and you you know that Emmett Mullins has had this race at least in the back of his mind. You know, I'm sure he was he was going for the Gold Cup. That was a target. But the Grand National is also a target. And yeah, he's a very, very good trainer. You know that he's going to be a concert pitch now tomorrow. It seems pretty clear that both the handicapper and also the bookmakers hugely rate course form and maybe even form within the race itself uh, when they're looking at both the weights and also the odds. Because if the top three from last year, who are all within the top three of the betting, albeit they're in a different order this time around, if you look at the favourites currently, like Delta Work is being tipped in a lot of places after a run in third place, second favourite at the moment ahead of the race. Uh, 2004, Amberley House was the last horse to go from third the year before to first. Uh, but clearly there seems to be a feeling that the top three from last year are all major contenders this time around. Yeah, no, they all are. Any second now, Ted Watch's horse, like he's he's eleven years old now, and he's got more weight to carry this year as well. He's got top weight, like he's got eleven stone twelve to carry, and you know that that makes it difficult to carry that type of weight over four and a quarter miles over thirty fences, and the rain is falling at Aintree today as well, so it's probably going to be testing enough ground. But again, any second now, like Ted Watch has done a phenomenal job with him. He won a a Grade Two race at Navan last time over two and a half miles, so he's got that pace. And yeah, like he's a horse. He hasn't had an awful lot of luck in the Grand National the year that Manila Times won it. He got hampered pretty badly on on the way around, and the horse fell. The horse fell to his left and hampered any second. Now, if he'd fallen to his right, he'd have hampered Manila Times. So we could have a whole different chapter in history. But that's the you know that's the Grand National for you. You need luck and running. You've got forty horses over thirty fences, and. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Obviously, you, you can't tell which way a horse is going to fall or who's going to fall or who's going to make a mistake or who's going to not travel or not take to the fences. But any second now, like he's a, he's, he's, he's 11, he's 11 years old. He's got a big weight to carry. But as you say, well, he, he ran a massive race last year and it wouldn't be at all surprising to see him run a, a big race again this year. Yeah, like look, Gordon Ellis got 18 horses and all entered into the race. I mean, understandably, he's carrying a lot of the hopes for Jigginstown uh, going into tomorrow as well. He's got the top three from that Grand National trial that was recently at Punchestown. We're showing a bit of form coming into this as well. Uh, in the case of you know, Delta Work, this is a horse that's got a really good CV where you look at, you know, five wins at grade one level as a chaser as well. Uh, Gordon Elliott is really, really strongly handedly coming into this race, isn't he? Yeah, look, he's, he's got a he's got a brilliant record in the race as well, Gordon. Like he 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 sent out Silver Birch to win the race in 2007 before he trained a winner in Ireland. When Silver Birch won the Grand National, the most famous horse race in the probably in the world, he hadn't he hadn't yet trained a winner in Ireland. So it just shows you the the esteem in which Gordon Elliott holds the race. And yeah, like he's been, you know, obviously trained Tiger Roll to win his two. And yeah, Delta Work was third last year, ran a, ran a big race last year. He, he's he got a, his handicap rating is actually a pound lower this year. So he was off 160 last year, he was 159 this year. And he was very, very good at Cheltenham. He battled on himself and Galvin, his stable companion, another Gordon Elliott horse. They had it between them from a long way out and he battled on well to beat Galvin. And we saw a lot, you know, we saw Delta Work himself beat Tiger Roll in the in the cross country last year. And Tiger Roll always used the cross country chase as his stepping stone to the Grand National Silver Birch as well. When he won the national, he'd run in the cross country chase before he came on and won the Grand National. So it is a it's a really good race, the cross country at Cheltenham to to you know it's a brilliant race in its own right, but to use as a stepping stone to the national. And Delta Work was very good there. So yeah, okay, again, again. 
it's a it's it's a long short list that we're, we're we're developing here. Well, yeah, I know. And look, the thing as well is, I'm always drawn towards horses that I've followed at different meetings over the years, and I even see the big dog here among the field. There's a lot of horses who are possibly past their best, but still at the same time, they get a run at a national to try and get on their CV by the end of their career. On that kind of short long list that we're building at the moment, is there anyone else within the field that kind of stands out for you? Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots, <and> lots. <laughs> Like really, you can you can make cases for an awful lot of horses in the Grand National, you know, depending on how how the race develops. But um, Corak Rambler, trained by Lucinda Russell, she's 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 had the win, a winner of a Grand National before. He won the Ultimate Chase at Cheltenham last time, and it's it's, it's unusual the Grand National because normally so horses are handicapped based on what they've done. But if you win a race after the weights were framed, and the weights are framed for the Grand National in February, so very early, a long way before the race, if you win after the weights are framed you don't get penalized. So you get to race off your old handicap mark. So Korak Rambler, if the handicapper had to do it again, he would give him 10 pounds more to carry than he has to carry because he won the ultimate chase at the Cheltenham Festival. So he's a well handicapped horse going into the race. Um, Guy de Manil as well. Paul Townhead has chosen to ride him of Willie Mullins and he won the three mile six furlong on the National Hunt Chase at the Shetland Festival. Really strong, sturdy finished third in the Irish Grand National last year. He's only a pound higher now than he was then. He's a seven year old, but you know the, the the race is kind of changing a wee bit. It is more a younger horses race than it used to be. It used to be you, you needed a a wizened warrior for the road, but now the young kind of progressive horses they're coming into it. And that guard him a nail. He fits that bill. We've got ain't that a shame? Which Rachel Blackmore is right. He was a, a fourteen to one or a sixteen to one shot this morning on Friday morning. He's now eight to one favourite. I think the Rachel Blackmore factor is kicking in. People are, are suddenly beginning to realise Rachel Blackmore is riding. Ain't that a shame? So they're they're backing him. But he's got a big chance as well. He was unlucky not to win the Ulster or the Munster National. The big dog beat him after he made a mistake of the final fence. And he ran a big race in the Paddy Power Chase. And then last time he won his beginner's chase at Coran Park. So that was his first win over fences. But he's a classy horse as well. And you can see you can see why there's been money for him. And Longhouse Poet as well, we haven't mentioned him. I, I, he ran a massive race in the race last year. Martin Brazel's horse, he was just maybe a wee bit keen through the early stages of the race. Darrell O'Keefe rode him that day. He was just doing a wee bit more than Darrell wanted him to do through the early stages of the race. Um, but he, he jumped, he, he landed in front over the second last. He's in again t- this this year. He's off the same handicap rating. And Martin, Martin Brazel, who trains him, he trained number six Valverde to win the race in 2006. And number six Valverde was a Thayeste's chase winner like Longhouse Poet, also the SS chase winner. So he's got a lot of the attributes that you look for as well. It's interesting that Ain't That a Shame has come in as much as you say, because obviously, look, Henry de Bromhead and Rachel Blackmore combined for some of the championship uh, races at Cheltenham. Uh, de Bromhead's in form when it comes to big races this year. But the fact that people are actually drawn towards Rachel Blackmore is quite interesting here. I mean, obviously, look, it was a fairy tale story uh, when she won the race a few years ago. It was, ah, uh, yeah, no, it was like it, even now, two years later, looking back on it, it's kind kind of incredible still that you know she did win it. I mean, at times when you know not so long ago it was a thing that just you couldn't even envisage happening, but no, it was brilliant, brilliant. That was a brilliant day, brilliant year. And as you say, Henry de Bromhead's horses, they're in tremendous form. He had a fantastic Cheltenham Festival, uh, three winners there, and then he had in the pocket won the Grade One Novice Hurdle today. J.P. McManus's horse. Rachel Blackmore rode him, so there's a, and they had a winner as well on Thursday, Dancing on My Own, won the Red Rum Chase. So there's a momentum building as well behind Henry de Bromhead and Rachel Blackmore, maybe as the meeting is going on as well. But yeah, like the Grand National, like Rachel Black, it's not surprising that the horse that Rachel Blackmore is riding is being back, 
is being backed in the Grand National. And, you know, there's a there's a there's a romance that goes with that. But, you know, she's a very, very, very good jockey as well. Like she's an asset to any horse in the Grand National and she's done it before. So it's it's it, you know, there's a romance of it. Well, but there's also the practicality of it and the logic of it that she's an asset to any horse in the Grand National. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a stacked race for tomorrow at 5.15. I'm thinking about what Nikki Henderson does next. And that was really all the questions that came in after the entry hurdle yesterday was, Constitution Hill really didn't get out of maybe second or third gear in uh, continuing the unbeaten record. But so many question marks about where Constitution Hill actually goes next now. Yeah, it's it's a massive question, isn't it? And you're just dying to know where it's going to be because, you know, where and where Constitution Hill goes might have implications for other horses as well. Like if, if Constitution Hill goes over fences, Maybe Barry Connell will will leave Marine Nacional over hurdles and let him go and be a champion hurdle type horse next season. Because if Constitution Hill stays over hurdles, maybe Barry Connell will go over fences and train Marine Nacional like a, like an Arkle horse next season. So that's exciting. But yeah, look, Alec, he was brilliant again yesterday. Will over two and a half miles. He didn't really break a sweat. Um, Nick Anderson did say that he schooled him over fences, so mm. that's it's an option. But I don't know about you. I don't know if you heard his interviews yesterday, but he seemed to be kind of. Coming back a wee bit from the notion that he might go over fences, that's that's kind of my interpretation of it. I, I kind of thought he might be angling a wee bit more to stay in over hurdles. What do you think? I kind of got that feeling from the interview. I also kind of got the feeling Nicky Henderson was happy enough to maybe uh, pour a little bit of cold water on all the excitement around Constitution Hill as well. He was pointing out the fact that this is seven races in, seven wins. This one was only three and a half lengths, though, which is the shortest winning margin so far. Uh, so maybe he's trying to keep the hype down a little bit here. Yeah, like it was only three and a half lengths. It, it, it could have been more. I'd say Nick Edwinville, uh wasn't wasn't hard on him. And yeah, look, it was two and a half miles. So it, it was an, an extra step for him. And he rode him like he had no doubts at all about his stamina. He rode him from the front, which made sense. He's an uncomplicated horse. You can put him wherever you want. So you're on a, an eight to one on shot or a seven to one on shot in the race. You, you you minimize the potential hazards. So get him out in front and you know minimize the danger of something happening in front of you. So he did it well. He did no more than you would have wanted him to do. So job done, uh, unbeaten record intact, entry hurdle to add to his champion hurdle and then go off for the summer and mull it over. Yeah, see what they're going to do next season. I think he'd rank that as the perfect 2023, wouldn't you, given particularly how dominant he was at Cheltenham? Oh yeah, no, he was brilliant at Cheltenham. And like even going down to, like I, I watched that final flight again, he was, he was, he was long at it, but he kind of, he, he just, picked his four legs up just to get over the top bar of the hurdle and he was fast over it as well because the hurdling is just he just he takes the lens out of his rivals at his hurdles so yeah he was brilliant that day really good again yesterday and yeah look he's so and you know they're talking about how good is is he and where does he rank within the the pantheon of the top two mile hurdlers and i suppose you know night nurse and, and monksfield and sea pigeon they all had each other to race against so they pushed each other higher constitution hill he's got State man, I suppose, is his best opponent, the best opponent that he's faced. And State man's a very, very good horse, would be a worthy champion hurdle winner in a normal year. But he doesn't have a Monksfield or a night nurse to to push him to see how high he can go. And, you know, maybe maybe that's why he doesn't have as high a rating as the very best to my that side. He's 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 in among them, even even without having that the, the, that type of opposition against him. But yeah, look, he's he's just a, he's a superstar, isn't he? Oh, to be able to go to the yard and watch him getting schooled over fences to see how good or bad he is. Don, yeah. enjoy the Grand National tomorrow. Thanks a million for joining us on tonight's show. You too, well. Thanks a million.